I'm Tom Dean. My name and number's on the board up there. 
I do think deacons are probably an underused resource in our church. So if you need anything, any prayers, anything at all, just call us big or small. My name's up there in number. Also, uh, a typo's in the bulletin. Deacons meeting meet at 5 instead of 6 tonight. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just pause and thank you, Lord, for all the things you've done for us, for this place we can meet and just praise you. And we, we do pray for our brothers and sisters and all the people of Ukraine, Lord, that you would just heal them and protect them and, and let you take control of that situation. We do ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please remain standing for our psalm reading. Before we do that, I want to make sure you all know that we are going to, going to be putting together a choir for Good Friday and for Easter. And if you'd like to sing with us, we'd love to have you join us. We're going to begin next Sunday at 5 o'clock. We were going to start this week, but I need another week. So next Sunday at 5, uh, come sing with us. Now, we're reading this morning Psalm 51. You all will recognize this as the psalm that David wrote in his uh, just time of mourning and confession uh, to God for his, <laughs> yeah, well, more than the sexual sin, the murder uh, indirectly of Uriah. And um, so all of us in this room, we may not be able to relate directly to David's sin, but we are in the same boat altogether. And the, one of the metaphors that I see in this psalm is the metaphor of him asking to be cleansed. And all of us, at some point, realize that we are dirty and we need to be cleansed. And our Lord has mercy on us. Let's read aloud and uh, pray this together. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time of my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not take sacrifice, or I would bring it. 
you do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Psalm 51, 1 through 17. Amen. You may be seated. This psalm brings to mind um, a song that we used to sing back in the 80s. It goes like this. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O oh Lord, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore joy of thy salvation and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create stand please gospel reading from luke chapter 4 jesus full of the holy spirit left the jordan and was led by the spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil he ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry the devil said to him if you are the son of god tell this stone to become bread jesus answered it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. 
The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will not so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Luke 4, 1 through 13. Amen. You may be seated.
all stand together while we sing this prayer. to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Kevin mentioned the choir preparation for Good Friday and, uh, and Easter, so let me just remind you, um, uh, simultaneous to the choir, I will do a Bible study. We'll be looking at some psalms. We started this back in Christmas time, so we'll finish what we started. It's the, Jan the January Bible study, um, and so just come at five and 
And if, if you're not singing in the choir, uh, come, or if you have a spouse singing in the choir, come on and we'll study, we'll do those studies together. Um, and uh, I will say, along with Kevin, um, we thought about doing it this week, but I need another week. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, well, in your worship program, you have a uh, prayer guide for the um, Annie Armstrong season. Uh, it mentions on the front uh, Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Um, we, don't, we don't take the offering per se because through our Acts 1-8 and through our direct missions in, in 2021, we gave over $10,000 to Annie Armstrong, and we'll be doing the same thing again this year. Now, if you do not participate in the Acts 1-8 giving, uh, you might want to go ahead and make an offering for Annie's purposes. Uh, but really, our purpose right here is to focus our prayer energy for our North American missions. And so if you start today on day one, you'll be praying that, that we would be united in reaching the, the nations in our neighborhoods. And that would mean that tomorrow you will be praying for my friend Michael Bird and his wife Tracy. And they live in St. Louis, and Michael is a great young guy, pastor, and you'll read a part of their story in, um, on, in the guide on day two. And so let me just encourage you to be praying for our North American uh, mission, uh, missionaries as we seek to, to reach the 275 million lost people in our country. That's a lot of people, and they are lost. And so I just, so it's important for us to pray for them. This morning also, before I get started in the sermon, I, I want to give a shout out to um, Clark and Lois Lewis. Yesterday, Clark and Lois celebrated 77 years of marriage. Um, I do not personally know anybody who's been married longer than they have been married. I'm sure there are people out there I don't know, but I don't know anybody who's been married 77 years except Clark and Lois. Uh, they're not here today. Um, so if you happen to think of them this week, I'm helping you to think of them this week, uh, send them a card, uh, give them a phone call, and tell them thank you for being a positive role model for a long time, long-term marriage. They really define the idea of long-term marriage. So when you look on the screen this morning, you'll see we've added another word. So Paul, in the first part of First Corinthians, talks about the unity of the church. And the principle he deals with early on is um, do not do anything to disrupt the unity of the church. He covers that extensively in chapters 1 through 4. He won't completely leave it, but in chapter 5, he, 
he begins to focus on the second principle. And these two principles, I see, underlie the whole letter. The second principle is do not do anything to compromise the witness of the church in the community. And chapters, in the, in the first four chapters, and I'll remind you, you know, Paul wrote a letter. He didn't write chapters and verses. Chapters and verses were la- added later for our benefit to keep up with them. But in what we would call the first four chapters, he, he's defending his apostleship. Uh, he had uh, said he was coming, got delayed. Some people were... Uh, and that just brought more criticism upon him. And, but with the final question in chapter 4, which Paul says, Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline, or shall I come in love with a gentle spirit? Paul is establishing his responsibility to say what he's about to say in the rest of the letter. Um, and, and so as we, as we look at it, um, chapter 5 and 6, it's a plea for purity. That's what I, where, the direction I want to take with it uh, in chapters 5 and chapter 6. Uh, really is, um, it really is three sermons. You're going to get them all three this morning. Because, because you don't want to hear me talk about sexual immorality for three weeks in a row any more than I want to talk about it for three weeks in a row. So, so we're going to go for we're going to go for it all in one all in one shot today. Uh, he opens up the letter. It is at the chapter five. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of the kind that even pagans do not tolerate, and you are proud. Oops. <laughs> you know. He wrote in chapter 5, verse 9, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. In chapter 6, he says, flee from sexual immorality. And so when we look at this, at the, this block of Scripture, we see, I, see, I see three needs. There's the need for discipline in uh, uh, chapter 2, verses 2 through 13. And, and this discipline, you know, you can read the story, the background. There was a sexual immorality taking place in the life of the church. And the church is so liberal that they were okay with it. And not only were they okay with it, Paul says they were proud of it. They were boasting about how liberal they were with regard to this case of sexual immorality. And Paul, Paul in verses 3 through 5 just reminds them that, that this discipline is needed and it is good for the individual. Verse 5, he says, he says, so you exercise this discipline to the, 
for the person who's involved in sexual immorality so his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. So his focus, his focus is what is good for the individual. But it's also his, he also addresses what is good for the community. Because he was, he was concerned about the witness of the church in the, in the community. And when, when I say community at this point, it's the community of the body of believers. And, and he said to them, he, he said, your boasting is not good. Um, your pride in sin is equal, equals a bad reputation in the community. And here, and, and he underscores that with his statement. This, this situation of, of, of incest in the church was uh, not even tolerated by the pagans. And yet, here's a church doing more than looking the other way. Here's a church saying, they're boasting in this. This was a horrible, horrible situation. And the church, the church's witness in the community is greatly compromised because of it. And the need for discipline is also, it's good for the gospel. Because here's a church that's lost its salt. They've lost their distinctiveness. They've forgotten the principle of living in the world but not being of the world. And they've become aligned with the world. And they were proud of their alignment. And this, and this greatly hampers the witness of the church in the community. So Paul says, avoid Christians who are in the wrong regarding sex, money, possessions, drink, and violence. Listen to, just listen to him. He says in verse 9, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning that uh, the people of this world who are immoral or greedy or swindlers or idolaters, in that case, you would have to leave the world. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or swindler. Do not even eat with these people. You can't not get much clearer than Paul's statement about the need for discipline regarding these things in the life of the church at Corinth. 
In chapter 6, when he picks up the subject again, he reminds us of the need for clear convictions. Clear convictions about the future. He makes reference to the kingdom of God again. And in Paul's writings, he doesn't use the term kingdom of God very often. Uh, he uses it in, um, in Romans chapter 14, three times, four times in 1 Corinthians, and once in Galatians. So when his usage of it is, is zeroed in, and right here, he's, he's used it twice in the same, in, in as many verses. And so now he gives us this list of who, is to be, who will be excluded from the kingdom of heaven. He, he, wants, he wants them and us to have clear conviction about the future. In chapter 6, verse 9, Paul writes, Or do, or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Okay, are you clear on, on what he means there? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Paul has a very clear conviction about the future. He says some behaviors exclude you from the kingdom of God. And I, can, I cannot confess to knowing fully all of what Paul is implying here. But the problem is, in the life of the Corinthian church, they were risking their own uh, destinies because of apostasy, because of a falling away of faith in God. And so he gives us this very specific list of that excludes certain behaviors from the kingdom of God. He calls for a clear conviction about the future. But he also calls for a clear conviction about the past. In verse 11 he says, and that's what some of you were. That's what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. He's reminding them those behaviors do not have to define your future. 
because you have a path. You have the opportunity of putting those behaviors behind you in the confession, Jesus is Lord, and you are washed and, and, and sanctified and justified in the name of Jesus. Paul is, Paul is uh, deeply concerned about this church where he is deeply committed. And he recognizes they have some huge deficiencies which is, which is compromising their ministry in the city. We, we cannot join their company, folks. So there, there is a need for purity. This is the why. This is, Paul gives us in, in verses 12 through 20, the why. And I personally, I want to be known more for what I am for than what I am against. And that's how Paul comes across here too, by the way, because he has this bulk of, of time and words he uses as a plea for purity. When he makes his plea for purity, he, he reminds them the body is meant for the Lord and the Lord is meant for the body. Verse 13, you see, they have taken such a loose look at their lives and what they're doing to themselves. Um, and he offers this plea to them for purity because the, because the Lord, the body is meant for the Lord and the Lord is meant for the body. As a believer, my body belongs to Jesus. As a believer, your body belongs to Jesus. I am his servant. He lives in me. He lives in me to glorify himself. The same is true for each and every one of us. When we confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. Your body is no longer your body. It's his house. It's his body. And he lives in you to glorify himself. The body is meant for the Lord and the Lord the body. So we need, we need, we need purity in our lives. The body is intended for the resurrection Verse 14, he will raise us also. David Pryor reminds us that our bodies are not dispensable. In the ultimate sense, they are the raw material of a more glorious creation. And Paul was, he'll give us all of chapter 15 on this subject. 
we'll get we will revisit it again when we look at the resurrection in chapter 15 but our bodies our bodies were meant for the resurrection and what Jesus did when he was here as Paul described in Ephesians is he he worked to perfu- to purify and to perfect the bride of Christ see we we are the bride of Christ and he and and Paul pleads with the church in Corinth and with us to live in purity our bodies in verse 17 our bodies are one in spirit with Jesus and our bodies are members of Christ himself as he comes to live within us as believers we are one flesh with the spirit it's the same the same language that's used to describe the relation the the relationship of a man and woman in marriage and and they become one flesh we are one flesh with the spirit and sexual immorality in any form is intimacy without intention and communion without commitment therefore paul says verse 18 flee from sexual immorality all other sins a person commits are outside the body but whoever sins sexually uh, sins against their own body you see we we violate we violate ourselves when we engage in sexual immorality because our bodies are one in the spirit with Jesus. In verse 19, he reminds us and pleads with us for purity because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. At conversion, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our bodies. Um, See, our bodies are more than just a masterpiece of biology and physiology and psychology. Your body, my body, is the house of the Lord. I should keep it clean. See, Paul, Paul is pleading with the church to be pure in the, in the arena of sexuality. And his plea comes, comes to, um, to what Jesus has done for us. You've been bought with the blood of Jesus. Verse 19, you are no longer the master of your body because it belongs to a new master. That new master is Jesus. It says in verse 19, you're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Every part of our body is to express 
glory to God. And what we do with our bodies is to express glory to God. And Paul pleads with us for purity. And perhaps the psalmist has said it best when in when in Psalm 139, the psalmist says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. You know, we, we pick up that, those verses when we want to talk about the sanctity of life. But I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, these verses are about your life and mine fully formed. God has created us, and we have been bought with a price, and that price is the blood of Jesus. So I ask you this morning, who is your master? Who is your master? This is the fundamental question for both believers and not yet believers. It's the fundamental question for every one of us in this room, regardless of our faith commitment. Who is your master? Paul, Paul said, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. He went on to say, I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Because Jesus, Jesus is the master of the body. So the plea, the plea for purity comes down to this. Give your life to Jesus. So he is the master of your body. He's the master of your life. And this giving your life to Jesus happens initially. If you're not yet a believer, it happens initially. When we, when we first give our lives to Jesus and we make him Lord, then we let him be master of our lives. And as believers... It happens daily. Every day, we renew our commitment to live the life the master directs, to live the life the master guides, to live the life which honors and glorifies the master. So the question today is, who is your master. All of these problems Paul listed in chapters 5 and 6 
can be resolved when you answer the question, who is your master? My master is Jesus, who bought me, who owns my life, and he paid the price of his own blood. Who is your master? This morning, if, you, if, if you've never yet come to confess Jesus as Lord, we want to invite you to let him become the master of your life. In the confession, Jesus is Lord, you're saying Jesus is my master. So in repentance, we turn away from our sin and we turn toward God and we allow Jesus to become the master of our lives. As believers in the room, you know, we, we may be struggling with any number of those five things. You know, Paul, just, Paul didn't just limit these, these issues to sexual immorality. He included, he included um, uh, greed and idolatry. That's, idolatry is the wrong view of your possessions. Drink. What do you do with alcohol? violence you see all of these issues all of these issues can be resolved as Jesus becomes the master of your life so some believers may need just to come here and pray because you've allowed some of these other things to be master of your life the Bible is clear you cannot serve two masters you love one or hate the other you cannot serve two masters. Make Jesus the master of your life. So we're going to stand and we'll sing. And while we sing, if you need to come, if you need to share with us this morning a decision, we invite you to come forward to do so. If you join us online, I invite you to just go to our website and click the, click the I want Jesus in my life button. And, or you may text or call me. My number is 660-890-4150. So if you're online, just contact us this way. If you're in the room and you're looking for a church home, we would welcome you. Uh, we exist to fulfill the Great Commission by loving people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Come and join with us in the mission. If today you need to confess Jesus as Lord, make him your master while we sing. Come.